You are listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show, a show where we talk about psychospiritual and psychosocial aspects of end-of-life care. And now, here is your host, Saul. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. I'm Saul Ebema. My guest today is Dr. Jeremy Holloway. He's a geriatric professor and director of geriatric education at the University of North Dakota. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. So what is your role at the university? I'm a geriatric education specialist. So I focus on curriculum and instruction. So that's where that's where I shine. I I do a lot because there's a geriatric workforce enhancement program and there's a lot of things that we do there, but a lot of what I focus on have to do with social engagement, the social aspect of geriatric education. So how did your interest in geriatric social engagement begin? So I started to get involved in geriatric education around the time of the pandemic, to be honest. I heard about older adults that were dying from social isolation and loneliness from a chaplain friend of mine at church. He was a full-time chaplain and part-time pastor. And he was sharing in March 2020 about older adults who were dying in his older adult community. And that really moved me, and I wanted to do something about it. Before that time, I cared about helping underrepresented populations, underserved populations. And I was focused on helping underserved students and giving them encouragement to make goals to that would improve their life. I remember in 2005, when I was studying for my master's in divinity, I was required to do an internship. So I did my internship with a hospice, and I was assigned their patients in residential facilities, nursing homes, skilled nursing facilities. And that was my first encounter with the impact of social isolation in older adults. Some of the patients I visited were so alone, you know, they did not have family visiting, they did not have friends visiting, they were just there waiting to die. And it is something coming from Africa where life is lived in community. In fact, (laughs) where I grew up, there are no nursing homes. And our perspective of the elderly is 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 quite a. We we think that you know we believe that the elders are filled with wisdom, they have central stage in our community life because they have lived life, they have experience, they have the wisdom, they're the go-to people. So I was shocked to come here, and to see that most of the elderly adults are removed from community, and put in nursing homes, even if they have a lot to contribute, there's a sense that the community doesn't need them. (laughs) So where is the disconnect? Yeah, well, it's good. So one of the things I like to say, especially because loneliness and isolation has been known to help speed up signs of dementia, right, in the lives of an older adult. I've been That's intriguing to me because I feel like as another generation dismisses older adults 
we in turn experience our own sense of dementia as a people. Mm. We start to lose a sense of that wisdom that they do in fact have. And a lot of that is missed and we forget some important aspects of who we are as a people. I'm saying all that because we need older adults. That's just my bold statement that I'm going to say, that we need older adults. And I started to get involved by creating this intergenerational program, you know, called To Legacy. And it connects connecting university students and healthcare fields with older adults. And so I started to learn a lot after that about older adults and the things that one can gain from a social, these social interactions that are structured and focused on simply listening to and acknowledging the story of an individual, of an older adult. And I've just, I, I have something that I say. I say that your story belongs in healthcare because I think a lot of times an older adult feels like their story doesn't belong in healthcare or the society in general. Mm. And I want to reinforce that it does. So for the sake of our discussion, sometimes loneliness and social isolation are put in together. Is mm. How do you define loneliness and social isolation? Yeah, so I'll say this, that social isolation is not an indicator that a person would be lonely. Social isolation is simply the condition of being physically isolated or at at least having challenges in having many social encounters with other people. But loneliness is the feeling of aloneness. And that may not, it, it may be that the person has many people around them or none. It's the feeling of loneliness. And a lot of indicators of loneliness have to do with a sense of purpose. Mm. So when someone feels like they don't have a sense of purpose or goals that they would like to accomplish to bestow to others, or even just for their own fulfillment, they can feel a sense of loneliness. So older adults in, in Western societies are at a high risk for social isolation. What are some of the factors that contribute to that statistic? One of them is, well, first is a lot of cultural values that our society has that need to be challenged a little. Youth is important, right? Every mm. every every society needs youth, right? There may be an overemphasis on the value of youth. And that being said, that an older adult feels like they're not as useful because they can't do the things they did when they were 20, right? Mm. Yet, just as just as you mentioned, Saul, they have wisdom, though. Yeah, My dad would always said, young people are strong, but the older people know the way. Mm. It's good to be strong, but it's also good to set a path that would help utilize that strength in the best capacity. And so I think that there's some societal values that 
cause some of these things to happen. We did some research and found that, at least in our area in North Dakota, 90% roughly of healthcare workers have little to no geriatric training. So, and this is all over the country. Most healthcare related fields have about a week or two of geriatric training, but then they go out in the field and 80% of their clientele, unless they're in pediatrics, are older adults. Mm. And there's a gap there. And a lot of diagnosis error and a lot of other areas persist and ageism persists because healthcare workers aren't getting training needed to to reduce that sense of ageism yeah. that can also cause a lot of diagnosis error in, in other areas too. Other risk factors for social isolation in older adults could include health issues. Most of that, you know, the older we get, you know, we have a lot of health issues. Sometimes the social connections become smaller because people die. And um, mm. families, we live in a global community. Families are traveling all over the United States and other countries. Vision loss, memory loss. So there are a lot of factors. I remember visiting a hospice patient and um, he, he told me, you know, I'm the last man standing. You know, all my family mm. is gone. And he was suffering from suicidal ideation because of mm. the social isolation was leading him towards I have nothing to live for. I have mm. no meaningful conversations. Life is not yeah. worth living. Yeah, my my chaplain friend who was telling me about older adults dying a few years ago, he was telling me one with at his community, one lady was saying, "Why should I go on? Like, why should I go on? I I can't leave my room. You know, during the pandemic, I couldn't leave the room, and I, why should I go on?" And he's he said, you know, why should I, why, why should I, you know, and because she was saying, what if I get sick? And, and my chaplain friend, his name is uh, Dominic Franchis. He he said, what if I get sick? And she was like, oh, you're not going to get sick. And she was like, and he was like, why? And he was like, she was like, well, because you're too important. And he, he said, you're not, you're not too important. We, I need to see what it looks like for someone your age to go through what you're going through with dignity. I need to see that. Mm. So like, you know, for if that person can see a human being in front of them, they can know that they that's why that's why. And I think it's 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 just the idea. So loneliness and isolation also affect self-esteem, self-efficacy. So one can feel a, a less sense of worth and value in themselves at, with the feeling of being you know isolated and alone. And so then they start to think, well, I must not be that important because, you know, no one's seeking after me, my advice or or even to spend time with me and everything. So but that's false. Right. In my own point of view. Yeah. And <laughs> and I if they can see a human being, they're important because they can set a, a powerful example that can make a big difference. With that, we'll take a little break. Again, our guest is Dr. Jeremy Holloway. He's a professor at University of North Dakota. We'll be right back. 
Continuing to be a leader in the field of spiritual care at the end of life, Hospice Chaplaincy provides high-quality professional development webinars that will improve your practice of spiritual care at the end of life. Check out our latest webinars at www.hospicechaplaincy.com. I'm Sole Bem, and we continue our conversation with Dr. Holloway. Before the break, we spoke about um, uh, the challenges uh, of social isolation in our community and how older adults are suffering tremendously with this and the risk factors around social isolation. But you and your work at the university, you found a sense of solution to help combat this disease of social isolation. You have a program called Telegacy. Could you define it for our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah, Telegacy is an intergenerational program that connects university students in healthcare-related fields with older adults who may feel a sense of social isolation and loneliness. And the students meet weekly over the phone, virtually or in person, with an older adult. And the students listen to the stories of the older adult. That's their goal. After a number of weeks, we take the content that the students shared with the older adult and we create what we call a legacy book that gives that we give to the older adult to reinforce the fact that the older adult story matters they matter and their story is one to be told so in a nutshell that's what we do with the to legacy program are the students given a structured questionnaire yes so my background is in curriculum and instruction, so it's like kid in the candy store when it comes to that. So I create a curriculum, which when you look at a lot of different intergenerational programs, that's a lot of times what's missing is a curriculum. So the students are trained. There's four components. One is mindfulness. Another one is growth mindset. Another is visualization and goal setting and reminiscence therapy. They're also taught in and trained in HIPAA, confidentiality, reporting abuse. They're taught in how to redirect conversation and direct the conversation back to the story of the older adult. And we provide all this, all the questions for, for the student and the older adult to ask. And it can be chronological, but there's a lot of themes. And we also encourage the student to share about their life as well, because we don't want this to be something where the student is coming in and and they're not they're kind of taking themselves out of the e- equation right in the conversation mm. no this is two friends hospitality is two strangers becoming friends so we want it to be that we want them to have this kind of relationship rapport and connection building what are you looking for around those structured questions Yes, and by the way, we also have a caregiver a caregiver version of this yeah. as well. But what we're looking for is having the older adults gain a sense of satisfaction of life. We want the older adults to decrease in a sense of social isolation and loneliness. And we also want the older adults to, if they have any sense of depression, then decrease sense of depression as well. So we have pre and post assessments and scales for that to gauge 
how that's helping to make a difference. But we also want to see how the students' perceived ageism, if any, would decrease after engagement with the older adults. There's other assessments and scales that I want to bring in, but right now, those are the ones we're focused on. How easy is it for the students to connect with these older adults as they appear together? It's a good question. You know, it's as easy as the training prepares them to be. So we found that there's, it's, they're ready. It's, that's what we've been getting back from, from the students. Now, here's why I think that healthcare-related field students are important for multiple reasons. It's multiple layers, actually. But one is the students can't deny that it's going to be important for them to meet with an older adult, right? Like if they're, they chose to be in the healthcare field, not me, right? So (laughs) (laughs) they, they got trained, they're getting trained. And so you're going to be meeting with an older adult. I mean, only thing I think that they need is like, they just needed some preparation, how to have this conversation and what they need to do. And I think they're good to go after that. <laughs> you know, I asked the question of connection because I remember some years ago, I was studying uh, clinical pastoral education at a hospital. And it's almost probably like your program where a bunch of students come together, who are five in a group, and you're taught techniques on how to engage with patients. Now, we nobody forced us to join that program. We wanted to do it. We wanted to work, you know, in healthcare. <laughs> but I found that one of the students I was doing the program with would hide in the elevator because he was scared to knock in the door and begin a conversation <laughs> wow. Wow. For, for fears that there might not be connection because even if we are human, we don't just connect. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a great, it's a great point. And that's why I, I, I mentioned, right. In the beginning, a lot of these programs don't have a curriculum and they may train, but it's mostly this technical training. It's not the social engagement part of training them. I mean, there may be some like motivational interview training, but I think the motivational interview training doesn't bring in holistically that student as a participant in in answering the questions that they're actually asking as well, making themselves humanizing themselves, because humanization is a big part of my curriculum, of our curriculum, but I think it's a big part of what healthcare needs, humanization, like every healthcare worker from the physician to anyone else in the building needs to understand the art of humanizing, being human you're a human going in there and connecting making that connection that that student i i don't know that student who uh <laughs> hid in the corner in the elevator i bet he would like to have practiced the social engagement a little more you know like so one of the things we do is we have these i have these prompts and these prompts are controversial statements that an older adult may say, because you might as well go to the worst case scenario, right? And those things usually don't even take place. But if they, but the students sometimes when, after they do them, they feel a little better, right? They know like, if, if I can handle this worse, I've practiced this worst case scenario. 
I probably can, probably can handle some little awkwardness too. I'll give you one example. Like if an older adult says, you know, I, I don't care what you say, Susie, you know, I think that Trump should get back in office and make America great again right now. You know, like, and <laughs> that may not be controversial for some, but for others, it may be very controversial. Of and course. so, and so, well, how do you answer that? And so I've been training the students to answer, to say something to the effect of what sounds like you really care about leadership. And especially in this country, did you ever want to be a mayor? You know, especially in politics, did you want to be a mayor? Or did you, what would you do if you were mayor? And what would you want to do if you were a governor of, of the state? You know, that's a nice question. I'd like someone to ask me that question, you know, like, <laughs> and it's all about leadership. And so that's what we do, redirect back to the story of that person. Yeah, I think that's powerful. And um, so the students are called legacy builders. Mm. Why? Yes. Yes, because they're helping to build together legacy with that older adult. You know, they're helping to build that legacy. And because really, that's what we do. Like after after I'm gone, I want someone to carry on my legacy. They'll be building what I've hopefully bestowed to them, right? They'll be building on that. We're all legacy builders in a sense, right? But the people that I think the younger generation that I would hopefully bestow some wisdom to would be the builders building upon the legacies that I've left here. And so that's why we call them legacy builders. We call the older adults legacy holders. They're the ones holding the legacy and bestowing the legacy. And then the students are the legacy builders. So is this like in a relay run, you know, you run and you pass the stick. Is it yes. the idea of the senior citizen passing the torch to a younger citizen and encouraging them to run the race while learning from some of their life or uh, lived experience? 100%. Yeah, 100%. And that's one of the passions. And, and the other one is the, you know, is, is the social isolation and, and loneliness so, you know, so I, I say that because, you know, eventually we'd love it for anyone to be involved. Right now, we want to focus on how this is helping to decrease the loneliness and socialized feelings of social isolation and loneliness of the older adult as well. And as they do share their story, actually, I, I have one example. One is actually many examples, but actually one of them is an older adult started the program and told their legacy builder, you know, I don't really have much to share. Mm -hmm. I don't really have much to say. And after a week or two of the student reinforcing the value, which we also train the students to do, reinforcing the value of the older adult story. I mean, they couldn't get the older adult to stop talking. Like they started sharing more about their story and the things that they're going through. What 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 happened there? I thought thought I didn't have much to share. Well, <laughs> he didn't have much to share. He thought that people didn't value what he had to share, so that meant that he didn't have much to share. But once he saw someone showed value, interest, and value in their story, he's like, "Oh my gosh, I have so much to share." I just didn't think anyone valued it. I just didn't think anyone cared. Powerful, providing value. With that, we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. 
If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service, providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI Helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at nami.org. I'm Sole Bem, and we continue our conversation with Dr. Holloway. You know, what I like about your program is you're targeting students who are going into the healthcare field. And we all know that the American healthcare system has this clinical model of care, a lot of focus on diagnosis, on symptoms, but less about the patient. And what mm. this gives the, these students an opportunity to put the patient first. Because mm. I, I believe that the best model of healthcare is has a patient-centered approach. Yeah, diagnosis and all those, it's important to know what you're suffering from. But this is a human being. And I like that this puts the human being front and center. What are your thoughts? 100%. One of the things that we do in our department over here at the University of North Dakota is we focus on what's called an age-friendly approach and training folks in that. The age-friendly approach has four M's, and that's mentation, medication, mobility, and what matters. The reason why I bring all this up is because of what matters. What matters is the most important of the of the four. And why is what matters most important? Because they need to pursue what they're living life to pursue what matters in their life. And they're getting in uh, better mentation. They want better mobility. They want better management with their medication so that they can pursue what matters. Their medications aren't necessarily it's important, but it's not necessarily what matters to them. What matters, it's a it's a tool to help them live out what matters for the rest of their life. And that may be their family. It's most likely their faith. And it's their it's the things that they're living for that matter to them. And I share all that because what we're finding is when older adults are sharing their story, they're also having an opportunity to share what matters to them, which will help them to learn more about what goals they want to accomplish, which motivates them to make the best health-related decisions, which when a clinician sees a patient, when a patient comes into uh, someone's office, they should, that person should be most concerned about that patient sharing what matters. And listening to what matters to that so that person knows that their provider cares about what really matters to that older adult that's what we want to do is prepare students for that moment so what are you hearing from these older adults about the benefits of the telegacy program the older adults have adopted a lot of the students as their grandchildren, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sometimes they would attend like a their basketball game or what have you of one of the students, and they would long since 
visit. I've had students visiting their older adult partners long after they've met, you know, together. And the older adults are finding that they have renewed sense of value in the younger generation. They have also engaged more with technology. We've had students help an older adult message their grandchildren on Facebook for the first time. And having these new engagements and more interactions socially, more social engagements. And a lot of older adults have started to be engaged in their communities. If they're an assisted living community or a nursing home, they would become more engaged in activities there, whereas they weren't before. So a lot of those things have have taken place and it's really cool. They've shared their legacy book with family members who have just been impacted and they've shared things to us like, this helps me share my legacy with the people that I care about, with the people that matter most to me. You know, I look at this as meaning making. Mm. You've helped the seniors who've participated, majority of them find meaning in life again and fall in love with life once again. Mm. Yes, yes. You know, that's what, when someone is at hospice, and I also want to say that just because someone's in hospice doesn't mean that they'll stay there. I I uh, spoke in front of a lot of social workers and One social worker inspired me and said that she helps folks in hospice get out of hospice. And and she has a lot of stories. And I'm not saying every single one, right? But (laughs) she's she's a warrior. I was like, wow, that's really awesome. So we have a lot of students that after they engage with uh, older adults, they just gain a new perspective. And the older adults gain a very new perspective. And just as you said, creates a lot of meaning in, in their life. What are the benefits you've had for the students? How is this beneficial for them in a sense? Yeah, it's nice, man. The students have, (laughs) well, they adopt their older adults as their grandparents. That's one. And we had a student say, the most important person in my life is this older adult right now. Mm. I thought that was really powerful because I thought thought the student was going to say the most important person like you know, this semester or Yoda's important person, you know, the most important person for something, but for her whole life. And I was like, whoa, okay. Because during the pandemic and even now, like loneliness and social isolation can, those feelings can occur in students as well. And, you know, they're feeling a lot of pressure in in college. And so when they're meeting with an order and just able to talk, you know, not about, you know, busy, busy, busy and doing this and that and the other, but just about life. One student said that she she learned that her life doesn't have to be so busy, that she could just stop and appreciate life. And that's what she learned from meeting with her older adult partner. And when she, when her time was just about up and meeting with her older adult, I mean, she was, she was starting to just cry, you know, and she was just, and I was like, are you crying? And then she said, yeah, I just, um, I just really grow fond of, grew fond of meeting with my older adult partners. It's just, it's just really cool because you just meet, you don't meet an older adult when you, when you meet, like a lot of students found they met with a person Hmm. with dreams and hopes just like them. 
Yeah. That's what I, I, that's my number one training that I want to leave and have the students leave with after training. Yeah. I want you to leave knowing that older adults are human being. And by the way, that's all of our goal. Like we all want to get there, right. To have healthy age and we want to age healthy and strong. That's our goal. So they're human beings. That's the number one thing. They're not aliens because they reached a certain age. They're a person. I love that. That reminds me of the African concept of Ubuntu. My humanity is tied to your humanity. And it's important mm-hmm. that we see and we acknowledge each other. If there's an older adult who is listening, what are some of your suggestions or ideas they can stay connected to fight against yes. social isolation? There's a lot that they can do, but I would get involved in programs that actually are person-centered that care. Some other general things are volunteering, mm. you know, volunteering in, 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 in the community in any way that they can, because then they'll just gain newfound perspectives. But if there's any intergenerational programs that they can be a part of, not, not even because they may feel isolated alone, just because they just want to be involved and bestow wisdom, I, I would encourage them to get involved and just stay connected. We need to all stay connected. That's very important. Connection is important. So if you're feeling isolated, also find an activity, find a hobby, Mm -hmm. something that you can do. Schedule each time, each day to talk to your family and friends. Schedule time to Mm -hmm. even talk to to the neighbors. Uh, Use Mm -hmm. communication technologies. You can do video chats. If it's hard, you're not familiar with the technology, the youth next door can help you. So Mm. feel free to reach out. Reach out for help. Do not isolate yourself. It's not good. Yes, and I would also add, do what you love. Do what you love to do. And then include, just as you said, Saul, include others in doing the things that you love. And don't feel bad because what you love isn't some, like you love going to the movies. Like, that is awesome. But, well, invite some people to one of the favorite movies that you want to go to. You love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Make somebody a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just have a conversation together. That that would, would be my encouragement. What are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are, we are all people And we all have birthdays. We all have something to bestow to someone else. And staying connected means to also value people that are different from us. And I think that I talk a lot on diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. I think the way that it should be shared in the sense that everybody on the table matters And we have to get used to talking to people that are different from us and listening to people that are different from us, different in age or different, you know, in gender, different in skin color, whatever it may be, because someone different from us can give us a different perspective. We don't have to. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing. It's not about who's right, wrong, better, worse, good or bad, less or more. It's about respecting the story in the background of that person, where they came from, to the point of where you are, where we're at right now, face to face. Because I wasn't involved in that. All I can do is listen to it and and have a respect for that person's lived experience, right? And we can do that, and that'll create civility 
together. Thank you very much, Dr. Holloway. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. That was Dr. Jeremy Holloway, a geriatric professor and director of geriatric education at the University of North Dakota. Thank you for listening. Our project manager is Melissa Caprellian. Our studio engineer is Brian McKinnell. And I'm Sole Ben. This show was brought to you by Hospice Chaplaincy, promoting excellence in spiritual care at the end of life. This episode was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting in Julia, Illinois. You can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are available. If you enjoy listening to this show, please don't forget to give us your feedback by writing a review on iTunes. For more information, please visit www.hospicechaplaincy.com.